Shalom, welcome to Kingdom 101. My name is Hansen and I'm from Archippus Awakening. We are a ministry dedicated to the awakening of saints that we may know and fulfill our God-given kingdom assignments. And this is where Kingdom 101 comes in. We believe that if you want to move properly on kingdom assignment, you need to have the right kingdom foundations. And so our objectives through this expository teaching is that we may know Jesus our King all over again, that we may receive and embrace the things of His kingdom, that we may then know and move rightly on our kingdom assignments. I'm so glad that you are here with me, and I pray that this teaching will be a blessing to you. Well, we continue our journey in Matthew chapter 16, and this time we will be reading from verses 5 to 12. Allow me to share scriptures with you before we get into the teaching proper. Matthew chapter 16, verses 5 to 12. Now when his disciples had come to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. Then Jesus said to them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It is because we have taken no bread. But Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, O you of little faith, why do you reason among yourselves because you have brought no bread? Do you not understand? Or remember the five loaves of the five thousand, and how many baskets you took up? Nor the seven loaves of the four thousand, and how many large baskets you took up? How is it you do not understand that I did not speak to you concerning bread, but to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees? Then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we just pray as we go into the word of the kingdom, Lord, will you teach us by your Holy Spirit? Be with me and be with everyone listening in so that we can hear Jesus, understand what he's saying to us, and then obey in our lives and our assignments. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, thanks to the present situation of COVID-19 and circuit breakers and lockdowns all around the world, you know, people have started to relook at their hobbies. And one of the things that many started to do again was to bake at home. And everyone was buying, baking stuff. In fact, it created a little bit of a problem. In the supermarkets and the stores, there was a yeast and a leaven shortage. And this happened not only in Singapore, but in many parts of the world too. Many were looking out for leaven, but they couldn't find any. In fact, in a report in our Straits Times, it reads, Where's all the flour gone? Shops struggle to restock fast enough amid the circuit breaker baking frenzy. In fact, so many of these products are missing, like flour, baking soda, and instant yeast. And in another report, it says that the hot grocery item no one can find, what do you think it is? Active dry yeast or leaven. Interestingly, today's passage is also about leaven. And more specifically, we are told and we are warned also to look out for leaven. The question is, what kind of a leaven are we supposed to be looking out for? 
Well, today's teaching will cover a few of these points. Firstly, what is leaven generally? Uh, then what is leaven and how is it used in the Bible? What's its biblical significance? In fact, what leaven was Jesus referring to when he used the word? What exactly then, in the context of Matthew chapter 16, verses 5 to 12, is the leaven that Jesus was talking about? And finally, stay with me. We want to see the main point that Jesus was making in and through this passage. So firstly, what is leaven or yeast? Now you know we have these two words, but they refer to the same thing. Um, well, yeast comes from the Old English gist, and it means to boil, to froth. Now that gives us already a picture of what a leaven or yeast actually would do, right? There's a bubbling of sorts and a air is included somewhere. Uh, the word leaven comes from lever, which is Latin, which means to raise and to lift. I believe that's where we get the word like to levitate. So again, one of the agents of yeast and leaven is to uh, lift up right, the dough or the flour, whatever you're mixing, so that it can become uh, the bread that is fluffy that we understand. Now, here's an interesting discovery that in the Greek, it actually is the word uh, zume, and it comes from a word zeo, which means to heat or to seethe and against, uh, again to bubble. Now, from this word, we get the word zest or zeal in the English, and it means to be fervent or to be zealous. So you can see just from the etymology, the root meaning of these words, we get a picture again of this one item that we are talking about in this teaching. Leaven or yeast is a fermenting agent. In other words, it's broadly any substance that would produce a bubbling, a fermenting, a fermentation when it's added to the dough. Now, that's the agent. Now, if you move uh, a little bit more, a dough that's already infected by leaven, that can also refer to this yeast of leaven, right? So it's not just the product itself or the agent itself, but whatever has already been infected by this leaven itself would have its same properties to pass through the entire mass of dough. Or dough that had already risen. Now, that, had, that, that means another stage of the whole process. Uh, if it's under the influence of this leaven, even at that state, it can also be used uh, for its fermenting qualities or properties. In fact, the early Hebrews, they were the ones who depended on this piece of leavened dough for the transmission of leaven through, uh, throughout the entire product. Uh, it will be a while later uh, than they that they discovered how to use wine or certain parts of this process of wine, the fermenting of wine in that process, uh, then to be used in a fermentation process, that, but that would be much later. So looking at this product of yeast or leaven, what is its significance? How do we use it or how was it used or mentioned in the Bible? Now, we are all very clear that bread was a staple food in those times, uh, as it is today, for provision, for sustenance. And the bread would be baked with leaven, as we have already noted. Um, an interesting point, again, is to see that it does take time for the leaven to set and then to work and have its influence, meaning to say that the process would take a while longer. Now, most of us are familiar with the story of Israel's deliverance from Egypt, 
where God gave an instruction for the time of Passover as well as later on the Feast of Unleavened Bread and to say, look, I want you to be baking this bread but without leaven. Now this again is for the sake of speed and readiness. That's why it's made without leaven. God is telling his people, when I say go, I really want you to move because you cannot be waiting for the bread to rise. I want you to be so ready to just move when I give you that instruction. This, of course, as we know, has become the feast of uh, Passover itself as well as the feast of the unleavened bread. Now, it was not just in Egypt that they baked with unleavened bread. It was so quickly that they had to move out that when they brought dough with them for the journey into the wilderness, the dough was also unleavened. And this was for greater convenience on the move. They were um, to be uh, uh, nimble and quick and to be responsive to the Lord's instruction. So in Exodus chapter 12, verse 34, we read, So the people took their dough before it was leavened, having their kneading bowls bound up in their clothes on their shoulders. Right. So none of the process where they had to wait for the uh, bread or the dough to be leavened, they were ready to move as the Lord would direct them. Now, with this background and understanding and um, a bit of hindsight also and studying the history of Israel, leaven then came to symbolize sin and evil and bad influence. Uh, why is this so? Because fermentation implied a little disintegration of the uh, dough breaking down and I suppose, as it were, corruption. We apply this to a concept of living and morality. It then uh, would mean sin and evil and as it spreads, having its impact and influence on the entire lump uh, thereby would then mean that whenever you talk about leaven, it speaks of bad or negative influence. Now in the Old Testament, leaven in fact was excluded from all the offerings that were placed on the altar to be sacrificed to God. In fact, it was not even permitted in certain of the meal offerings. Now, that's Old Testament. If you push forward into the New Testament, Paul records this and uses the concept and the picture of leaven also. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 6, 7, 8 um, speaks of, Your glorying is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Now, what was Paul talking about? Uh, look at the context, right? Uh, he was warning the Corinthian church to say, look, there's sexual immorality within your midst and you are okay about it. You're not even mentioning anything. Don't you know um, a little bit of such of this behavior, it's going to spread. It's not going to be a good influence. And so he's saying, verse 7, uh, perch out the old leaven that you may be a new lump since you truly are unleavened, for indeed Christ, our Passover, you see that? Okay, referring to that time of a deliverance again to see that uh, sin has been taken away from us and it should not be having leaven at all. Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast not with all leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. So Paul uses this as he writes to the church in Corinth uh, to signify bad influence, sin, sexual immorality in your midst. Um, purge it, okay? Get rid of uh, this kind of an influence. In fact, tell the person you either shape up or you have to ship out. 
Uh, he writes also in Galatians chapter 5, verse 9, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. And this context was about him writing about the teachings of the Judaizers, where they were telling the believers, you have to be circumcised again. And Paul is then saying, why are you going back to the law in that way, right? That's a wrong teaching, bad influence. So if anyone comes in with that and you start to uh, accept it and bring it into your midst, this kind of a teaching is dangerous. It will spread so quickly. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. Now, this understanding is not just limited to Israel or the people of God. In fact, the Greek philosophers, and in particular uh, Plutarch, a first century Greek philosopher, said this, Now, leaven is itself the offspring of corruption and corrupts the mass of dough with which it has been mixed. So even the Greeks themselves saw the negative impact and influence and used that as a picture and illustration uh, of leaven to be applied in wisdom sayings and uh, to live a life that would be correct and of a correct influence. Now, leaven is also to be applied to wrong or inaccurate teachings, as we've already seen uh, a little while ago. Uh, and in the New Testament, of course, in the Gospels, uh, Jesus pointed out the leaven of the Pharisees, uh, of the Sadducees, as well as of Herod. Now, all of these are inaccurate teachings and misunderstandings um, of the Bible and interpretations, and we will unpack that in a little while. However, leaven is not always bad. In fact, in certain cases, it is acceptable and it's also portrayed as good. Uh, leaven could be used in offerings that were eaten by the priests or others. In fact, the leavened bread could accompany peace offerings and it was sacrificed at the Feast of Weeks or at Pentecost. Why? Because it represented the ordinary daily food that God provided for His people. Now, if you remember the showbread in the temple, Scripture doesn't tell us whether it's to be made with leaven or without leaven. But we understand from the records of the historian Josephus, he records it as leavened bread. Can you imagine this? We think that leaven refers to whatever is sinful or evil, and yet the showbread leavened in the holy place. Interestingly, right? So yeah, it's okay for leaven to be in that place and it's accounted as okay or acceptable. In fact, Jesus later on used leaven to describe the impact and influence of the kingdom of God. Now, we've already covered this in session 96 in the title, Hide and Seed. Matthew chapter 13, verses 33, The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till it was all leavened. So you can see that leaven can be good, but mostly uh, it refers to what is, whatever is not positive or whatever is bad. Let's move on to the next point. What leaven was Jesus referring to whenever he used that word and when he was warning his disciples about leaven? Let's get into a bit more of the specifics. In Luke chapter 12, verse 1, Two as well as three, Jesus said, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Here he was very, very clear. Hypocrisy was what he was trying to address. In this incident, Jesus was highlighting something to his disciples. He said, Look, the Pharisees don't always give you wrong teaching. In fact, some of their teachings would be correct. 
They had right teaching. What was the problem? They had wrong living. Now look out for this kind of living, right? They would tell you what to do, but they will not do it themselves. The teaching was correct. Now the way they executed it or not live it out, now that's wrong. You've got to look out for such leaven because it's so easy for you to catch that kind of a wrong influence. Now he himself will address this more extensively later in Matthew chapter 23 when we get there eventually. So the leaven, if you look at um, hypocrisy, uh, we can learn that it can also be applied to any bad influence or any kind of a wrong attitude. Like Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33, Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Now what was Paul talking about? He was talking about people who said, look, there's no, uh, there's no resurrection. So in other words, there's no afterlife. Um, so enjoy yourself, right? Uh, eat, drink, be merry, because when we die, we die. Now, interestingly, we've been also covering the doctrines of the Sadducees who don't believe in resurrection as well. Now, in that case, it will be a wrong teaching that then leads to a wrong application, i.e. a wrong living. Now, you've got to look out for this kind of a leaven, okay? So, what kind of a leaven is this again? Well, if we look at hypocrisy, then again, the wrong attitude, the wrong kind of an influence. You could have right teaching, but it comes out with wrong living. Now look out for that kind of a leaven. Or you could have totally wrong teaching that leads to a wrong application and wrong living. Look out for that kind of a leaven too. Now speaking of wrong teaching or wrong doctrine, uh, this is usually what Jesus would refer to when he used the word leaven. So in a more general understanding of the word leaven, usually most of the time it would be inaccurate teaching, a wrong kind of a doctrine, or we could even push it to the extreme. How about false doctrines or false teaching? Now in Aramaic, it's interesting that the word yeast or leaven and the word teaching, they sound very, very similar. Now could there be a play on words down here? Very, very possible. Now let's examine um, some wrong teachings or you know what the Pharisees and the Sadducees, uh, what they stood for. Uh, to the Pharisees, uh, they said, look, I, I believe in the law, but they added the, or the oral tradition of the elders. They were strong in wanting to protect Jewish identity and they were very strict in the way that they would observe the law. In fact, they would fence it, right? Put on so many other limitations to help you prevent um, breaking this law. Over time, we understand that it becomes uh, legalistic and it was very ritualistic. Now, take note of this. Not everything they taught was wrong, but the way they applied it and they moved on it, now that Jesus would be warning time and time and over and over again. Now, where the Sadducees were concerned, they were also standing on the law. In other words, they believed in the Word of God. And to them, it was only the law and that's all, nothing else. You can't add anything. Now, is that bad? No, of course it's not. It's good. But they were a lot more accommodating in their posture. Now, of course, the biggest deal for them or the biggest issue that Jesus had with them was um, no resurrection of the dead. In other words, no afterlife. Uh, but the way that the Sadducees lived out their understanding, they were more practical, more pragmatic. They would go with the flow of uh, whichever ruling party was there. And so they lean a little bit more towards political alignment and whatever works for them, uh, whatever makes things a little bit easier for them, that's how they would move. 
So once again, were they wrong in everything? No, but there were certain parts that were inaccurate and the way they applied and lifted out, Jesus says, you be careful. Now, the commentators um, were very good in sort of categorizing both the Pharisees as well as the Sadducees. Uh, in the New American Commentary, Craig Bloomberg, this uh, commentator says, well, the Pharisees sort of represented this group called the hyper-conservative people, whereas the Sadducees were more the hyper-liberals, right? So you have hyper-conservatism versus the hyper-liberalism. One would swing to this end and the other would swing to the other end. Whereas for David Platt, when he wrote this commentary on Matthew, he called the Pharisees people who stood on their own self-righteousness. They were so proud of how they kept the law. But for the Sadducees, since it was like anything goes you know, to their own preference and comfort level, they were people who were, who were swinging to the point of self-indulgence. So again, two extremes. As I've shared just now, not everything they taught um, was wrong. But when you take certain things to extremes, and that's where we get this hyper, right? You know, it can potentially be heretical and very, very dangerous. Now, be careful, my friends, because if we start to imbibe these things again, a little leaven, right? Just a little bit of the influence, it can permeate and it can affect your uh, uh, entire walk. Just a little bit of leaven. It will permeate your effect. You will infect not just your own walk, but the others around you, entire communities, churches even. Small misalignments, if you don't nip it in the bud, uh, it can lead to major deviations. And that's why we say, look out, okay, look out for these. Be very aware, be very sensitive to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. And I believe that's what Jesus uh, is was warning his disciples then. And it would do us well today even to warn one another. Why? Because don't think it only happened to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, this hyper uh, type of uh, habit things. Because today you can have hyper works, self-righteousness in the same way. Serve, la, serve, you know, get all burned out, you know. If I don't serve, I'm not a good Christian. Uh, you're, not, you're not faithful. If you don't serve in this ministry, if I don't see you in church five times a week, you know, uh, hyper works, you know, you swing to that end is it wrong to serve? No. Is it good to serve? Yes. But if you only get, hang on to works, then you're hyper works. Now you swing to the other end. What does it become? Hyper grace, right? Because it's grace, all grace and everything about grace. And don't worry, you can, you can go on living the way you want and grace will always be there. That's another form of hyper liberalism. Nothing you do will ever be too wrong or too bad because God's grace will always be there for you. Take, for example, hyper-faith. Uh, just believe and receive. Now, is that wrong? No. But if you believe that everything you just believe and there's nothing else you need to do, just sit down and pray and just, just uh, uh, name it and you can claim it and you just tell God whatever you need to have. You just believe that and you will have it. That's hyper-faith. Is that correct in its entirety? No, it's dangerous, right? What if you don't receive it? Then they look at you and they go, oh, you of little faith, terrible, bad, bad, you know, uh, and that's why you don't receive your healing. And that's why you don't have what you ask for. You have no faith. Dangerous. It kills people and has brought people into so much of condemnation. There's another one called hyper-positivism, right? Where as Christians, uh, we want to be so nice. We want to only speak, we only want to speak nice words, good words. Now, is it wrong to speak nice words? No, because we believe that 
um, in, in words that would be life and death. And of course, we want to declare life. But you swing to that extreme. Then you can never tell someone why the person is wrong. You can never tell someone why he or she needs correction. It's, it's hyper-positivism. You know what's another word for it? Fakeism. <laughs> you know, we are fake Christians where we never want to touch anything in case we offend too many people around us. Look out for such leaven. It's dangerous. It kills more than it edifies. Right? So don't just look at the Pharisees and the Sadducees. We can commit the same mistake in the body of Christ today. And I just want to remind you, Jesus is the center, right? Uh, don't swing to this extreme and that extreme and this extreme and that extreme. Come to the center. Not everything you hear is wrong, but if you have one idea at the exclusion of the other, then you've gone misaligned. You've gone to a hyper-extremist kind of case, and that leaven is dangerous. It can infect people if you teach it the wrong way. That's our tendency to be unbalanced, to swing to our own preferences for certain positions. So hold a healthy tension. Have the full counsel of the word of the kingdom and the word of God. So with this as the background, now we can get into the passage proper. What exactly is the leaven or the wrong teaching that Jesus was trying to address and also warning his disciples about? Now for this, we need to look at the preceding passage that it will provide us the right context with a broader perspective. Now, with the Pharisees and the Sadducees, Jesus says, you be careful, huh? I don't want you to take that leaven. Now, although they have their differences, that's not what we should be focusing on. We should be focusing on their similarities, what united them, right? If you remember from the last teaching, they both gang up, they put away their differences and they ganged up against Jesus. They were similar in that they didn't believe and they wanted to test or tempt Jesus to pull him down. And here's that common factor between the two groups. They asked for signs before they would believe Jesus as the Messiah. And I believe if you look at that context, this is the leaven that Jesus was telling the disciples about. They had what I call a teaching of sign-based faith of sign-based faith. In other words, their teaching, their understanding is that we need to see the signs before we will believe anything. You show me and I will believe. That's their, that's their understanding, right? The Jews request a sign. We are told in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22. That's the sign that we want to see. And if you don't give us signs, then we're not going to believe. Why? Because God used to move in signs and all the wonders and all the power. And that's the way that they have been trained. And they resulted in an understanding or teaching, and they were starting to teach everyone. And where Jesus is concerned, sign-based faith, you know. You show us who you are, prove it to us, come on. You are the Messiah, right? Perform these signs for us. And Jesus said, no, you know, the only sign that you need is Jonah. I've, I've shown you so many signs. If you're not going to believe those, you don't need another sign. You just need the whole sign of my death, my burial, and my resurrection. And Paul then says in 1 Corinthians, the cross, right, that signify this entirely would be a stumbling block to people who actually looked for sign-based faith. 
And in fact, this resulted for them in an influence of unbelief. If you don't show me, I won't believe. And in fact, even if you show me, I may not even believe. And this was dangerous. Now, how do I know this? And why do I say this with such conviction? I appeal to Mark's account of this same passage. It lends support to this understanding. In fact, in this record from Mark, Jesus warned his disciples, exact same story, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the leaven of Herod. Huh? Why? One, one guy says Herod, right? And Matthew records Sadducees. Because like Pharisees and the Sadducees, Herod himself wanted to see signs also. Look at the broader context. The last time we met Herod, we are told that he heard about Jesus' mighty works. And he says, oh, this is John the Baptist. You know, he's resurrected. And his idea was the same. If you are a man of God, you'll have to perform signs. In fact, hey, I don't mind meeting you, Jesus. Why don't you come to my place and show me a few signs, you know, huh? So that I might, I might, I might just consider and I may believe you. In Luke chapter 23, verse 8, after Jesus was arrested and put on trial, Pilate sent Jesus back to Herod, and Herod was thrilled. Herod saw Jesus, he was exceedingly glad, for he had desired for a long time to see him, because he had heard many things about him, and here's a phrase, and he hoped to see some miracle done by him. You see, so the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the clue that's left to us by Mark of Herod, same leaven, same wrong teaching, same idea, sign-based faith. And Jesus is saying to the disciples, please beware of such teaching. Okay, don't chase after signs. Don't, don't be um, fooled by some of these things or distracted by some of these things. Don't look for signs for the sake of signs. Now, this is not to say that signs are not a part of the kingdom. But the more important thing is, we need to know what the signs are for and what they point to. Listen to this. It's not that signs are not a part of the kingdom. I'm not trying to move signs away. I'm saying the correct teaching should be this. When we see the signs, do we know what they point to? The signs in itself are not the main thing. The message that the signs give us are the more important thing. You know, when I was a, a teenager with friends doing crazy things and silly things, I had one friend who would collect road signs. And that's all I would say about that. He would collect, actually collect road signs. That's all he did. He just collected signs for the thrill of collecting the signs. He didn't care whether the sign said stop or no entry or U-turn or one-way street. Couldn't care less. And I think some Christians are like that. We just want to see the signs. And the Pharisees, Sadducees, same. We just want to see the signs. We don't care what it says, just for the thrill of that. And can I warn you, can you be careful, please? Because in the last days, we are told by scriptures that there will be power, signs, and lying wonders according to the working of Satan. The Antichrist, the lawless ones, he will be able to wield these signs. So if you're only looking for signs and not understand the significance of the signs, you might get into a wrong place. With that, we are now ready to get to Jesus' main point in this passage. You must be wondering, what main point? I thought the main point was just beware of the teaching, right? A wrong teaching, this 11 of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. 
Well, that's important, but I believe there's a little bit more that we must not miss. Look at the disciples as they responded to Jesus' warning. They had forgotten to bring bread. And immediately they said to themselves, Oh, beware of the leaven. I know why. It's because we didn't bring bread. And so Jesus is really saying to us, you don't go and buy bread from the Pharisees and Sadducees. Huh? They are against us. They're not supporting our ministry. So we don't support their ministry. Don't buy bread from them. In fact, it's okay because Jesus can make bread from nothing. So we are cool. Okay, <laughs> If he can make from a few loaves here and there, we know he can do uh, even a greater miracle here. Now, you would think that they had great faith, right? But look at Jesus' answer to them. He was aware of exactly what they were thinking. And then he said this, Oh, you of little faith. I was like, what? What kind of a response is this? I mean, I think they, were, they had great faith. Lord Jesus, we saw the miracles. We understood all these things. You can make bread. But was it really about faith? Well, actually it is in part. But hang in there. Because it's not just about believing. You've got to read on and understand the point that Jesus was making. But Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, O oh, you of little faith, why do you reason among yourselves because you have brought no bread? Now don't miss the next line. Do you not yet understand? See, the point that Jesus was trying to make to them is this. It's not just your believing you say you believe. I know you believe. But do you understand? The point that Jesus was trying to bring to them was about understanding. Do you not yet understand? Don't you remember the miracles that I was making? Do you understand the significance of what that feeding miracle was all about? He goes on, he says, How is it you do not understand that I did not speak about bread? But really, it's about the teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Now, Mark in chapter 8, verse 17 gives us a few more details here. Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, Why do you reason because you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive nor understand? Is your heart still hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? I want you to know that it's not just about believing. That's a good start. But it's also about understanding the things of the kingdom. And if you remember the teaching of the kingdom, the parables of the kingdom, Jesus spoke this often, that with the right hearts, with the right eyes, with the right ears, that's when you will understand the things. And to the one who has, even more will be given to you in greater abundance. It's about understanding the significance, understanding the paradigms and the perspectives of the kingdom. You start with believing, but you must move on to understanding. This is the main point that Jesus was trying to teach his disciples. Faith and understanding go hand in hand. You start with believing, but it must be followed by understanding. Ours is not a blind faith, but faith that understands. And what it also means is that if you have little faith, then you have little understanding. But if your faith is growing and maturing, then you'll have greater understanding as you begin to discern the things of the kingdom. 
Look at how he tried to teach his disciples with the multiplication miracles. Do you believe? That's wonderful. Don't you remember? And if you remember it, why don't you understand this? What's the sign for? Understand the significance of the signs. Don't just look at the sign. Understand the significance. I love the way he teaches his disciples. How many large baskets? And they looked at him. 12. How many large baskets? The second miracle, a seven. And it's like, don't you understand the significance? Don't just look at the physical and the natural. Was I there just to meet a physical need? Only in part. There is a spiritual meaning and a spiritual understanding. 12 baskets for Israel, seven baskets for the Gentiles, abundance for messianic abundance and fulfillment. And for the Jews and the Gentiles, I am the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the one to come. It's not just for one little people group, it's for the entire world. Those that both the Jew and the Gentiles will come and believe and enter into the kingdom of God. You see, it's not just about believing in that sign, but believing in the significance of that sign that points to the one who brings and performs that sign. Don't just believe him for the signs and the second helpings and the food that you eat and the provision that you get. Believe in Jesus as the Messiah of this entire entire world. See, faith must come with understanding. Baby faith will have baby understanding. Little faith, little understanding. But a growing, maturing faith will have the depth and the maturity of understanding in time to come. The leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and of Herod, sign-based faith. They saw the signs, but they couldn't discern the signs of the times. They saw the natural, but they didn't understand the spiritual. What's the correct teaching? What's the correct lesson that we must draw from this? From Jesus, faith-based understanding. Not sign-based faith, but faith-based understanding. Faith must lead to understanding and spiritual discernment. Beware of teaching that focuses on the wrong things, that misses the king and his kingdom. You see, you can know and you can learn and have so much, but if you have no understanding, then what is all the learning and the teaching for? You can discern the weather, Jesus told the Pharisees and the Sadducees, but you cannot discern the significance of the signs of the times. You can look at the physical bread and I can create this for you, but if you miss the spiritual bread, what use is it? You can have natural knowledge, you can be smart and clever in all these things, but if you lack that spiritual insight, what good is it to you? You can talk Christian, you can talk churchy, but if you don't lift the things of the kingdom, what benefit is it for you? And you can know so much information and so many things and you can debate with each other and spread kinds of news and articles and today we have conspiracy theories and it's as if like you have some secret knowledge somewhere. But if you don't know and don't understand your orders and your kingdom assignments, then you are as distracted as the next person. You are no different from someone who uh, is so addicted to the next Korean drama episode. 
world and you're distracted from the things of the kingdom, if you believe but you lack that understanding, then you must be careful. Look out for that leaven. Nip it in the bud. Take it out. Remove it right now so that you can move in the correct way. Why? Because small misalignments will lead to major deviations. If you need to realign, this is the time to look out for that leaven, to lock it down and to take it out and start to realign with the right teaching. Have that faith and grow in understanding. And then Jesus must have looked at them and said, you understand? And that's why in verse 12, it concludes this whole passage. Then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and Sadducees. My friends, let's bring this to a close. Are you still looking for leaven for your next baking project? Well, I think that's good and that's great. Remember to share some of those baking products with me. But I think it's better you agree with me, right? That we look out for that leaven that is in our lives, our own spiritual walk, and in the life of the church and the communities around us. Look out for the leaven that's negative and that's dangerous. Be careful of its pervasive influence and how quickly it can have that widespread effect. Look out for it. Take heed, will you? Will you beware? Lock it down before it spreads and before you are unable to stop that influence. And as you look out for the leaven that's negative, I want you to look out also for the leaven that's correct and positive. What you want is kingdom leaven. I want you to look out for leaven that's good, that's a right teaching. You know, Jesus, as our Passover, He has no leaven, right? No sin, no evil, no corruption. But you also know that the showbread is symbolic of Jesus as the bread for us. And that showbread had leaven. And that's good kingdom leaven. And Jesus has good kingdom leaven. He's got no sin, but he's got great kingdom leaven. And that's why he says the kingdom of God is like leaven. That's the leaven you want to look out for. The right teaching, the right influence. Let it permeate you and bring that kingdom influence. Look out and hang out with people with this kind of a kingdom leaven, with the kingdom influence. In fact, I challenge you, be someone, be that person that would have this good kingdom leaven and influence. And I say to you, get out there, go infect someone and go influence someone with the leaven of the kingdom. And finally, learn to grow in faith-based understanding and not just look out and have only sign-based faith. If there are signs, praise the Lord. But if there are no signs, will you still believe and will you still grow in your faith to have a greater spiritual understanding? Signs are not wrong, but don't chase the signs. Let the signs follow you who believe and as you grow in this understanding. Grow in faith. Grow in the things of God. Grow in spiritual discernment. This is a sign, I believe, a good sign of kingdom maturity. And as Jesus asked his disciples, allow me to close this teaching with this one question. Do you understand? And if you do, will you say amen? And let's pray together. Father, I thank you for your word, Lord. 
so much that's packed into this one little passage, Lord. And yes, Lord, as Jesus warns us about the wrong leaven, will you cause our eyes to open that we can see and discern, that we can look out for these and lock it down and take it out so that it will not pervade and influence our wrong walks anymore. But we pray at the same time to look out for good kingdom leaven. Let that permeate our life, Lord, and let us be a right kingdom influence that we can then bring the things of the kingdom into as many places as possible, as far-reaching and as wide as possible, so that in the end, Lord, Jesus and His kingdom will be glorified. Let His influence get out there, the good news of your name and your kingdom. And so I bless my brothers and sisters, and I thank you once more. We praise you, Lord. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining me for another teaching of Kingdom 101. I pray that this teaching has blessed you and encouraged you to live for Jesus and His Kingdom. I'm Hanson, signing off once more, and I hope that you will join me next time. God bless you.